Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath to all of you. Happy Sabbath. Okay, before we begin, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer together, shall we? Let us pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for giving us this opportunity to be able to come together to worship you. Lord, as we take this time out to be able to study your word, may you help us wrestle with the message that is within, Lord, that you can change our hearts, that we can be closer and closer towards you. We entrust all of this time into your hands. This I pray in loving name. Amen. Okay, um, so this morning's um, sermon title is called Believe All Things. And as just now in the scripture reading, you know that it is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this chapter has a interesting nickname. It's called the love chapter that I guess most of you are familiar with. So I'm going to just reiterate and repeat um, some of the verses that you have just heard one more time uh, to reinforce this idea. Starting from verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains but have no, not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Where we get our title from today. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. So this is the definition of love that is directly given to us from the Bible. And with that in mind, let's um, take a look at 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, because God is love. See, this verse does not say that God is loving. This verse says that God himself is love, the source of love. And love is not possible if God is in the mix, is not in the mix. And as we read earlier, that love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. And this together tells me that God bears all things, and God believes all things, and God hopes all things, and God endures all things. God actually believes the very best thing about each and every one of us. He believes the best things about you, and is hoping that you believe the things about you that he believes. He is also treating you as if that is true, hoping to awaken in you a desire to become what he believes you could be. God treats you as what you could be, hoping that it will make you want to be the thing that you could be. He believes things about you that most people probably do not even believe about themselves, and that is the faith of Jesus. This morning, we will be looking at the life of a particular Bible character individual who demonstrates this love, this faith of Jesus. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4 and verses 32. Verses um, 32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own 
but they had all things in common, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. So you will notice that this is a brief description of what the early church uh, was like um, right after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. And we, you will realize that this description of the early church matches very well with what we have read about love earlier. That love does not seek its own. And the early church was all about that. The early church was just not about taking and keeping. They were receiving so that they could give. And someone once mentioned to me that this is what Christianity should look like. We receive so that we can give to others. Okay, so we're going to continue. Verses 36. And Jose, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the feet, at the apostles' feet. So there was this guy by the name of Barnabas, and he was given this uh, nickname, the son of encouragement, probably because of his personality, his character, and the things that he likes to do. He probably likes to encourage a lot of different people. Okay, and this interesting characteristic about him is going to come to play an important part in the next verse that we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, we learn about a major event. See, Saul was on his way to Damascus um, to arrest the people for believing in Jesus Christ. And on his way, he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus himself. And he has this amazing conversion story and he started to preach in Damascus. And because of his powerful preaching, the people tried to kill Paul over there. So Paul got out of the city and his immediate burden was to return to Jerusalem to meet up with the apostles to do the work of God of spreading his word. So he decided to pack up his bag and go over to Jerusalem to uh, meet up with the disciples. So I want you to now just imagine, okay, uh, you are an early church Christian and you were at your house on Friday night getting ready for Sabbath and suddenly you hear a knock on the door. Okay, and you open the door and you took a look and you saw this person who is very famous because he was going around killing all your friends and he suddenly comes over and said, hey, I would like to welcome the Sabbath together with you. Okay, so just imagine you are in the house and you're thinking, hmm, um, what will your reaction be to seeing Paul? Anybody wants to uh, make a guess? Call the police. Call the police. Okay, but the police is on his side, unfortunately. Okay, so the... I, I, my, my guess is that most of you will probably do the thing that uh, the early church Christians did, which is to tell Paul, no thanks. You can, worship, uh, you can worship God and keep the Sabbath outside, on your own, okay, alone, not with us. 
because we have no idea what you are doing here and we don't trust you. And that was what the early church did to Paul. Okay? So from Acts chapter 9, verses 26, it says that, and, Saul, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, and he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. They did not believe. So you see, love believes all things. So there's a problem here. The church leadership at that time did not believe in who Jesus saw Paul could become. They saw him for who he used to be and he treated him accordingly. So have you ever ex personally experienced something like that before? That you are very serious about wanting to give your life to Jesus, change your life around and start doing good with your life, but nobody around you, your family members, your closest friends, your teachers, nobody takes you seriously. Everybody just thinks that, oh, this person is just like um, having a wimp and he will want to, uh, he'll, he'll go back to his old ways in a little bit. See, it is very easy to express unbelief and I have seen it many times, even in the school. A student returns from the school year, uh, at the beginning of the school year, and he tells the teacher, okay, this year I'm going to be a good boy or good girl. I'm change over a new leaf. I'm going to do all my homework, study for all my tests, and no longer am I going to copy and um, do last-minute work. And his classmates look at him and laughs and thinks that, oh, this person will not last. He may try for about a week, a month, and after that, he will go back to his old ways. And this is not just applicable to students as well. Even teachers sometimes have this same mentality and mindset. They look at this very playful, mischievous boy who expressed his belief and faith that I'm going to turn over a new leaf and become a new person. And in the mind of the teacher, they'll be thinking like, oh, how long will it take for this person to go back to his old ways and start not handing in his homework or start copying his homework once again. See, our past experience influence our current perception and that is a very difficult thing to overcome. Okay? And, and in, for the most part, it is kind of a good thing for us. Like we learned that you know, if you play with fire and you get burnt, you don't play with fire again. So most of the time, it is a good thing. But then when it comes to people, it is so easy for us to express unbelief because of our past experience and perception. And that was what happened to Paul. The disciples in Jerusalem did not believe that Paul was a converted disciple. But thankfully, someone came to the rescue. In verse 27, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 27, it says, But Barnabas took him, Paul, and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them that he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with him at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. See, because someone chose to believe in Paul when no one else did, he was given the right hand of fellowship. Paul did not have the church endorsement previously, but because someone chose to believe in him, they gave him a chance. And that is good news for us because we won't have most of our 
New Testament Bible today, if not uh, for what had happened and Paul's eventual ministry. See, we often hear about Paul, but how often do we get to hear about Barnabas? And now, let's take a look at um, another verse about the work of Barnabas over here, Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, starting from verse 19. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, uh, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word that no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenes, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Verses 22, Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and encouraged them with all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Verses 25, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. See, this is amazing. Because Barnabas was doing um, good work for God, and when he was over there doing all this good work, it was very fruitful and his work multiplied, and there were a lot of souls to be won. And when Barnabas was there with this good problem of many souls to be won, he was thinking to, in his head, wow, there's so much work to be done. Who should I call to help me? Who better than Saul, whom I believed in? See, we see a very important principle over here. Barnabas does not just verbally vouch for Saul, saying that, hey, church, you know, this guy, Saul, Paul, he is a great guy, and we should give him a chance. He did not just verbally vouch for him. He actually actively invested in this man, Saul. And he brought him along with his ministry and to do the spreading of the word of God together. And when Paul joined Barnabas in ministry, you know what? He thrived. And you, do you know why he thrived? It was because someone believed in him. Someone took the time to invest in him, mentored him, took care of him and discipled him. I have another quotation here um, from... Mrs. White's book, uh, Acts of the Apostles, it says that Paul's labour at Antioch in association with Barnabas strengthened him in his conviction that the Lord had called him to do a special work for the Gentile world. The discipleship and mentorship of Barnabas convinced Paul that this was what God made him to do. And what did, God, what did Paul do with this newfound confidence? He gave it all back to Jesus. He helped turn the world upside down. I believe that this would not have happened if Barnabas did not believe him initially and he was subsequently given the chance. See, thankfully someone did at the time when no one else in church believed him and he became someone that no one would have expected. 
And this was not the only purpose, uh, person that Barnabas believed in. If we take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 15, starting from verse 36, we see this again. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's go back now and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. So this um, Acts chapter 15 happened after some time where Paul and Barnabas had been working closely together. And one day Paul suggested to Barnabas and said, hey, it's a great idea to go back and visit our disciples, you know, those disciples that we have made in the earlier days. Not that we have, you know, preached the word to them, baptized them, and then just abandoned them in the church to let them fend for themselves. They know what good discipleship is about, actively investing time, energy, and effort to make sure that they are well taken care of in church. See, Barnabas also thought that it was a great idea and wanted to bring Mark along, you know, so as to mentor him, help them. But Paul over here said, no way, Mark is weak. He abandoned us in our previous work. Mark is not suitable for the work of God. See, what happened to love, believe all things, hopes all things, and endures all things? See, of all people, Paul should have known better because someone believed him in his early days of ministry when no one else did and he thrived because of that. And to some degree, Paul, while being a great evangelist for God, behaved much like a normal human and forgot where he came from. He allowed his past experience to cast a shadow of doubt at Barnabas' suggestion to bring Mark along. And Paul would not agree. So verse 39 continues to say, Then the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. See, even in a moment of discord, and even though there was disagreement between two of the leaders, two of the parties, in the direction they should go, they still chose to go forward in God's mission. So this is a very good lesson for all of us, that there may be times where we do not see eye to eye on certain issues in the church, but there is still work that can be done, even if we are not going to be doing it together, and even if we are not going to be doing it at the same place. And that was what Paul and Barnabas, they both understood clearly, and they focused on it. And this is, this is interesting because of something that Paul wrote towards the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4 verses 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. Bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. He is useful to me for ministry. See, in Acts chapter 15, Mark was not useful to Paul for his ministry. But then over here, Paul acknowledges that Mark is useful why? How did that happen? It was because someone believed in him and mentored him 
and he thrived under this particular environment. Mark later became the understudy of Peter and went on to write the first gospel. The first uh, gospel that was written is the book of Mark, not the book of Matthew. And the book of Mark was written at a time of great persecution among the early church. There was great persecution and many of the early Christians, they were all very discouraged at why is Jesus still not here and that there is so much trouble that is, uh, they are facing because they believed in God. And when everyone was very discouraged, it is amazing that Mark was the one that stood up and wrote the words of encouragement to them. In writing the book, uh, the Gospel of Mark, he was paying it forward, a book of encouragement to remind a church who had lost hope. Have you ever been in such a situation before? See, where someone gave you a chance when they probably should not have given you, and because of that, you succeeded. How much gratitude did you actually feel in your heart for this particular person when it's all said and done? Or have you been in a situation where you were given a chance, you took the chance and you failed? And you're thinking, hey, wouldn't it be great if someone else gave me another chance and uh, I will be able to succeed? Have you been there before? See, Mark could have been there. He was given the privilege to join Paul for his missionary trip and he failed. He gave up. He thought that it was too difficult. He abandoned them. But thankfully, there was Barnabas in his life. And Barnabas was living up to his name. He was a son of encouragement. He was believing in people when no one else wanted to believe in them. And by doing so, they became more than who they were. We hear very little about Barnabas, about his work, about his ministry. Um, but through the work and his ministry from these two people that he has encouraged, the whole world was radically changed. And we can all do the work of Barnabas. See, in closing, let me read out a quotation to you from uh, one of Mrs. White's book, Fundamentals of Christian Education. Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 280. We live in a hard, unfeeling, uncharitable world. See, doesn't it sound familiar? Sounds like the world that we are kind of living right now. Satan and his confederacy are plying every art to seduce the souls of whom Christ had given his precious life. Everyone who loves God in sincerity and truth will love the souls for whom Christ has died. And this is a very important line. If we wish to do good to souls, our success with these souls will be in proportion to their belief in our belief and appreciation of them. Let me just repeat this part again because this is the part that I want to kind of emphasize on. If we wish to do good to souls, our success will be dependent to the, in proportion to their belief in our belief in them. So if you are a parent and you wish to do good to your children, then, or if you are a teacher and you wish to do good to your students, then your success will be in proportion to their belief in your belief in them. It's not, uh, it is important that you have a strong belief in them. And while that is important, it is also equally important that they believe that as well. 
if through your actions, you do not show that you believe in uh, your children, you do not believe in your students, then they will not be able to thrive under such environment. They will be under a lot of pressure and stress that, hey, my teacher does not believe me, does not believe in what I say about the excuses that I give, so on and so forth. And love believes all things. Let me continue with the quotation. Respect shown to the struggling human soul is the sure means through Christ Jesus of the restoration of the self-respect man, the man has lost. Our advancing ideas of what he may become is a help that we cannot ourselves fully appreciate. Give love to them that need it the most. The most unfortunate, those who have the most disagreeable temperament, need our love, our tenderness, our compassion. The next part may be a little bit difficult for the teachers in our midst to hear. Those who try our patience need most love. Those who try our patience need most love. Can you just imagine the students in your class, the people who are the ones to make the most noise and disrupt the class the most, they are the people who need your love the most. We pass through the world only once. Any good thing that we can do, we should do most earnestly, untiringly, and with the same spirit as is stated of Christ in his work. He will not fail, nor be discouraged. The rough, stubborn, sullen disposition are the ones who need the help the most. How can they be helped? Only by that love practiced in dealing with them, which Christ has revealed to the fallen man. My message this morning can be summarized into these two points, essentially. Point number one, it is easy to question and doubt whether another person has changed and whether another person is deserving of your trust. Perhaps it was because you were once in the same shoes and someone doubted you. And this made you bitter and this made you cautious. But love believes all things, love hopes all things and love endures all things. If you see someone in a situation where no one else is willing to trust, I encourage you to try to exercise the faith of Jesus and give him another chance. Perhaps it will be because of your faith in him that will help him thrive to, at the end. That's my first point. My second point is that God does not see you as you are. He sees you as what you can be in Christ and he treats you accordingly, hoping against hope that it will awaken a desire within you to become the person who he knows you can be, and that is the faith of Jesus. You may, keep, you may wonder, why does God keep doing these things even though there will be many people who will reject Him or take advantage of His goodness and mercy? And perhaps you are in the same situation as well, and you have the same worry. What if I give this person a chance? What if I am good and kind to him and he tramples on my mercy and goodness? If you have that worry, Pay attention to this. Just because God knows does not change who He is. He still believes. He still, he still believes all things. He still hopes all things and He still endures all things. Just because of what He knows does not change the way He operates and treats others. And He is hoping that each and every one of us, we will respond to His faith. He believes 
in us. In fact, not only does Christ believe in us, I believe that Satan believes in us as well. Satan believes in the potential in each and every one of us, which is why he's going so hard with his persecution, with his spiritual oppression, so that you do not realize the full potential, um, realize your full potential. So if God believes in you and Satan at the same time believes in you as well, then what are you going to be doing about it? Will you believe in the things that God believes about you? So that is the question that I would like to leave you with this morning. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for the message, Thomas. Um, I remember a couple of words just now from the slides. It says, uh, love never fails. Um, God is love. This morning when I share with you during the song service, I say, the love of God is constant. He's always there for you through the ages. So as we do our closing song, we're going to sing the power of love. So we want everybody to stand up. And uh, praise God, okay? Lord, I come to you. Let my heart be changed. Renew, flowing from the grave. Your will unfold. 
Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for giving us this chance to be able to learn about your love and help us, Lord, to be able to actively practice it. Help us to be able to show belief in the people who are around us whom nobody else has believed. Show, help us to be able to practice the patience that you have given to each and every one of us, Lord. As we depart from here, may you be with everybody, protect them from harm and danger that they can come back together to worship you once again next week, Lord. This I pray in your loving name. Amen. Amen.